Ashley Brock reading Dolores Fawson's book, Nate, Chapter 6. From the corner of her eye, Darcy saw the alarm register on Nate's face. She whirled around, praying it was one of Nate's siblings, but not so, no such luck. Dressed head to toe in black, the man also had black and dark green camouflage paint smeared on his face. He had on some kind of headset with a marble-sized transmitter positioned in front of his mouth. But it was the gun that grabbed her attention. It was big and equipped with a silencer, similar to Mason's weapon. Oh, mercy, this was not part of the plan. Don't, the man warned when Nate tried to shift his rifle toward him. If you want to live long enough to see your kids, then put the gun down. Slowly, no sudden moves. Darcy hung on every word. She didn't want to do anything to cause him to fire, but she also studied what she could see of his face. She know him? Certainly wasn't Wesley Dent or anyone associated with his case. In fact, she was reasonably sure she'd never seen this man before. Boss, the gunman said into the transmitter of his headset. We got visitors. The kid's parents are up here in the woods. They got guns and infrared. They're looking at you right now. Darcy glanced at the infrared screen and saw one of the men move from the front of the house to the back, where Marlene and the children were. Will do. The man said to his boss, kept his cold, hard stare and his gun on the stand up. He demanded, we're going for a little walk. That nearly took the rest of Dorothy's breath away, but then it occurred to her. If he wanted them dead, he could have just shot them while he was in the bushes. Nate started to move, but the gunman growled, wait, in a rough whisper. His eyes narrowed, and he adjusted the transmitter portion of his headset. Boss, there's a uniform with a rifle at your eight o'clock. About three hundred yards from where I'm standing. She's in firing range of the house. Oh no, he spotted Mel, and the deputy wasn't looking back at them. Mel had no idea she'd been detected. Darcy couldn't hear what the person on the other end of the line was saying, but she figured it wasn't good. How many are here with you? The gunman demanded, his attention still fixed on Nate. Just the three of us, Nate lied. The gunman didn't respond to that, but his eyes narrowed. Boss. I'll take out the uniform and then bring the two down for a chat. Darcy watched in horror as the gunman took aim at Mel. She reacted completely out of instinct. She drew back her foot and rammed a thin hill of her right shoe into his shin. Nate reacted too. He dived at the man, slamming right into him. And they both went to the ground. So did the man's headset. Run, Nate told her. Darcy, Darcy turned to do just that, but she stopped. Nate was literally in a life-and-death struggle with a much larger, hulkier man, and she had to do something to help. But what? She glanced over her shoulder to see if Mel had noticed what was going on. The deputy hadn't. Darcy started to yell out a warning to her, but again she stopped. If she yelled, heaven knew how many gunmen she'd alert, and the men inside the house might try to get away with the children, or they might do something worse. Besides, Mason and the others were probably close to approach the house now, and if she sounded the alarm, it could get one of them killed. Darcy looked around and spotted the rifle. She couldn't risk firing a shot, but maybe she could use it. She grabbed the barrel and tried to use the rifle butt to hit the gunman. She failed. Nate and the man were rolling around, their bodies locked in the struggle, and if she were to hit Nate accidentally, then it could cost them the fight, and this was a fight they couldn't lose. What's... What's going on? She heard someone ask over the headset. 
Her heart dropped again. Wouldn't take long before the person on the other end of the, that transmitter realized something was wrong, and that might cause the boss to take some drastic measures. Nate must have realized that as well, because she heard him curse, and he revved up his attempt to control the man's gun. Both had fierce grips on the weapon, and the gunman was trying to aim it at Nate. Darcy kicked the guy again when she could reach his leg, and again, while Nate head-butted the man, the sound somehow tore through the noise of the struggle. It was a loud swish, as if someone had blown out a candle. But Darcy instantly knew what it was. The gun had been fired. The sound of the bullet muffled to her the silencer. Nate! She managed to say, Oh, mercy! Had he been hit? She dropped to her knees and latched onto Nate's shoulder to pull him away. There was blood. Lots of it, and a horse stopped the door from her. I'm okay, Nate assured her, but he didn't say it aloud. He mouthed it so no, no one on the other end of that transmitter could hear him. But Darcy shook her head. He couldn't be okay, not with that much blood on the front of his shirt. He repeated, I'm okay. Again, it was mouth, not spoken, and he scrambled off the gunman, who was now lying limp and lifeless on the ground. Nate reached the, reached the gun from the man's hand and put its mouth right against Darcy's ear. He pulled the trigger, he let her, and missed me, he hit himself instead. Her sob was replaced by relief. And she threw her arms around him. Nate was alive and unharmed. She couldn't say a prayer of things fast enough. We can't stay here, Nate insisted, his mouth still against her ear. He glanced at the headset next to the dead man. Darcy nodded. He was right. They couldn't stay there because it wouldn't be long before someone came to check on him. Nate, she had to be long gone by then. Nate kept the gun with a silencer in his right hand and caught her arm with his left. He started to run, hauling her right along with him, and he headed in the direction that his brothers had taken. Darcy's heart was already pounding from the fight, and her heels didn't make it easy to race over the uneven terrain, but she couldn't stop or give up. Now with her baby's life at stake, she wanted to know where Nate was taking her, but she didn't dare ask. The woods were thick without much sunlight here, and she didn't know if there were other armed guards hiding in the shadows, waiting to strike. They ran, zigzagging their way through the trees and underbrush. No sign of his brother or Mel, even though Darcy thought they were headed in the deputy's direction. Nate glanced down at his hip. For one horrified moment, she thought maybe he'd been hurt. After all, but she realized his phone was vibrating. He mumbled some profanity and ducked behind a tree. It's Grayson, he whispered. Nate didn't answer, and instead he fired off a text. Position compromise. Am on the run. Nate shoved his phone back in his pocket, took her by the arm again. He jerked her forward as if ready to run, but then stopped. Help, he mumbled. His grip melted off her arm. Nate lifted his hands in the air. Darcy did too. It took her a moment to realize what was going on. She finally saw the gun. Not a handgun either, but some kind of assault rifle. And just like that, just like earlier, he was aimed right at them. Drop your gun. The man ordered Nate. Take the other one from your holster and drop it too. Nate couldn't believe this. He still had blood on his hands from the last attack. And here he was looking down another gun barrel. Now, the man snarled. Nate glanced at Darcy to let her know he regretted what he had to do. And he dropped the guns. First the one he'd taken from the dead gun, dead guard, and then his own Glock. Start walking. The gunman demanded the moment the weapons were on the ground. He used the assault rifle to point the way. This guy was even bigger than the other, and he kept several yards between them, so it would, it would be next to impossible for Nate to attack him. What? 
did we do? Darcy whispered. She stumbled and Nate caught her arm to stop her from falling. Look for an opportunity to escape, he whispered back. But he knew that wouldn't be easy. The guard was leading them straight to the ranch. Darcy's suddenly rapid breathing let him know that she realized that as well. Nate kept walking and glanced around, hoping he'd see one of his brothers, or Mo, but he saw no one other than the guard who was patrolling the road. Once Darcy and he were out of the trees and into the open, the guard on the porch would, porch would spot them as well. But where were Mason and Cat? They, they should have been made it to this point now. Nate prayed nothing had gone wrong. Then there was Mel to consider. If she was still perched on the side of the hill, she might try to take out one or two of the guards when she saw that Darcy and he had been taken captive. That would mean bullets being fired much too close to the house. Nate knew Mel was a good cop with good aim, but he was uneasy enough with Mason's plan. Nate didn't want bullets added to this already dangerous mix. Darcy stumbled again right at the right as they reached the dirt road that separated the woods from the ranch. Again, Nate caught her. Should I pretend to faint or something? She was... Keep, keep moving, the guard demanded. This time he didn't whisper. Do as he says, Nate instructed. It appeared the guy had plans to take them inside the house when they stopped out onto the road. When they stepped out onto the road, the guard moved closer to them probably to protect himself. Do you know Grayson and the others were out there? Maybe, or maybe he was just being cautious. The guard by the cattle gate came closer as well, and he kept his rifle aimed at Darcy and Nate. The man fired glances all around, and his message was clear. If anyone took a shot at him, he would shoot back, and at this range, he wasn't likely to miss. They're taking us to the children, Darcy mumbled. She quickened her pace, hurrying across the yard into the porch. The door swung open, and the two guards forced them inside, falling right behind them. They shut the door and immediately started watching out the gaps in the newspaper that covered the two front windows. Other than a tattered sofa and some boxes, the room was empty, and Nate couldn't hear the babies or Marley. Welcome, a bulky man said from the doorway of the kitchen. Like the others, he was dressed in all black and had camo paint on his face, and he was on. Are you the boss? Nate asked. Yeah, he readily admitted. Nate tried to commit, commit every detail of this man's appearance and demeanor because when this was over, the boss was going down. Where are the children? Darcy demanded. Her voice was shaking. So was she, but she managed to sound as if she was ready to tear them limb from limb. I'll let you see for yourself. The boss stepped to the side, motioned for them to go toward the back of the house. Was this some kind of trick? Maybe. Nate certainly didn't trust them. Several of the guards had had more than ample opportunity to kill them. This way, the boss instructed. He led them through a dining room and then to a, then to a hall. That's when Nate saw the open door in the room. Noah! Darcy practically shoved the boss aside and hurried toward Marlene and the babies. They'd been right about the rocking chair. Marlene was seated in it with Kimmy in the crook of one arm and Noah in the other. Marlene's eyes widened, but that was her only reaction, maybe because she was in shock. No telling what these goons had put her through. Noah, Darcy repeated. She scooped up her sleeping son into her arms. Nate did the same to Kimmy, but neither baby stayed asleep for long. Noah immediately started to fuss, and Kimmy slowly opened her eyes. Nate felt the rush of panic as he tried to check his daughter to make sure she hadn't been hurt. 
She was still wearing her pink overalls, and there was no signs of bruises or trauma. Dada, Kimmy babbled, and she smiled at him. That nearly broke his heart and filled it in the same beat. His baby had been through so much, too much, and yet here she managed to smile. They didn't even attempt one. Just pulled Kimmy deep into his arms and held her as close as he could while he kept an eye on the goons standing behind them. Beside him, Darcy was doing the same to Noah, and there were tears streaming down her face. I tried to stop them, Marlene said, shaking her head. She backed away from them as if she might try to bolt through the window. She did, the boss verified, and she might have got, might have a few bruises because of it. Nate had to stop his hands from clenching in the fists. He wanted to break this guy's neck for hurting Marlene and putting him through this nightmare, but he had to hold it on to his composure. He would do battle with him, but it wouldn't happen now. First, he had to figure out how to get Kimmy, Noah, Marlene, and Darcy out of there. Why did you do this? Nate demanded. He tried to keep the rage out of his voice for Kimmy's sake. The boss met Nate's glare. I've been instructed to offer you and Miss Burkhart a deal. What kind of deal? Darcy snapped. Noah was still fussing, so she began to patting his back. Nate waited for what seemed an eternity for the boss to respond, and the dangerous thoughts kept going through his head. All the things that could go wrong. His brothers might not know Darcy and he were inside. If they didn't, they could be about to put their plan in motion. A plan that might cause these SOBs to fire shots. Nate brushed a kiss on Kimmy's forehead, prayed nothing would go wrong. It's a simple request. The boss didn't continue until he leaned against the door jam. What he didn't do was lower his gun. You're to transfer two million into an offshore account. This was about money? Of course Nate had considered it, but then why had they taken Noah? Darcy was doing okay financially, but he was pretty sure she wasn't rich. Two million, Nate verified. He could transfer that amount with a phone call. Yeah, the boss said. For starters, part two of the deal was slightly more complicated. You're to make sure Wesley Dent is not only arrested for his wife's murder, He's also to be convicted. Nate heard Darcy pull in her breath. He had a similar reaction, including disgust. Yeah, he thought that Dip might be guilty, but he wasn't a dirty cop, and he did fix investigations. So why did this bozo want him to fix this one? His first guess was that this gunman worked for either Sander Dent's son, Adam, or ex-husband's Edwin. But both had motives for wanting Dip behind bars. Which meant Dent might be innocent after all. Wesley Dent is my client, Darcy clarified. I'm supposed to defend him to the best of my abilities. Admirable. The man snarled. Being admirable won't get your son back. What do you mean by that? Nate demanded. I mean we're holding your children until we have the results we want for Dent. If you want to speed things up, I suggest you get Dent to confess or you create a confession for him. That can't happen. Nate turned, adjusting his position, so that Kimmy wouldn't see the anger on his face. And you can't keep our children for what could turn out to be months. Another shrug. Well, we can't keep them here, of course. We have to move them as soon as you leave. He checked his watch. And your time is up. You have to go now. No! Darcy tightened her grip on her son. This could all be over by tomorrow, the boss calmly explained. Tucked in into confessing and then arranged for a suicide because he feels so guilty for killing his wife. No, Darcy repeated as she looked at Nate and shook her head. I can't leave Noah here, 
Nick was about to sure that they weren't leaving, but the sound stopped him cold. Not a shot, but a thud. The boss's expression changed immediately. He was no longer calm. See what's wrong. He barked to the young gunman behind him. The boss reached out, latched onto Marlene's hair, and pulled her in front of him. And he put the gun to her head. Hell, they didn't need that. Nada figured he could give Kimmy to Marlene so his hands would be free. But that option was out now. Instead, he handed her to Darcy. And he was thankful that his baby seemed to enjoy being in the arms of this stranger, who cuddled her as protectively as she was cuddling her old son. Don't do anything stupid, the boss warned Nate. There was another sound, not a thud, but the noise of a tranquilizer gun. Mason, his brother, was out there. The Ryland plan was in motion. Nate moved closer to Darcy and the babies, positioned himself between them and the gunman. It wasn't much, but it was the best he could do for now. He braced himself in case he had to lunge for the guy. What he didn't brace himself for was the crash that came through the window behind him. Darcy tried to move away from the breaking glass, and the boss let go of Marlene. The man took aim at the window and probably would have fired, but Nate dived at him, knocking both the man and his weapon to the floor. His body was still stinging from the fight with the last guard, but he had adrenaline and need on his side. His baby's life was at stake. Mason, Darcy called out. There was relief in her voice, which hopefully meant his brother hadn't been hurt. Nate couldn't. Nate continued the struggle, trying to pin the boss to the ground. The guy just wasn't giving up, and he was fighting back. Stay back, he heard Mason say, and a moment later, his brother was there. The tranquilizer gun was in the waist of his pants, and he had drawn his sidearm. Mason reached into the scuffle, and he grabbed the boss by the throat. He dragged him away from Nate and put his gun directly under the man's chin. Move, and I'll kill you now, Mason warned. Less paperwork for me to do. Nate thought that was a bluff, but then maybe not. Get Darcy and the babies out of here. Macy, Mason told Nate. He held the balls to his feet and muscled him toward the front door. Marlene, too, and hurry. Nate took Kimmy from Darcy. Is the outside secure? Because he didn't want to bring the children out of the house, the gunmen were still out there. Cad's people found some explosives, Mason informed him. They disarmed the ones they found, but they might not have gotten them all. Explosives? Nate asked. There was no relief in her voice. Yeah, Mason verified. We must have tripped a master wire or something because they're all set to detonate in about five minutes. Get the hell out of here. Now. End of chapter six.